This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Driving Outcomes, your source for inspired solutions to address the most pressing leadership concerns of today. On each episode, we examine the latest developments in applied research and education and how it impacts your business and social outcomes. Our host, Tracy Shirachi, brings you conversations with groundbreaking researchers, educators, and business leaders who are changing the face of leadership every day. And now, here's Tracy. Hi, everyone. I have the pleasure today of introducing Layla Riley to all of you. Layla works at the University of California, Irvine, and also has dual roles. So she has more than one role. So I'm going to actually let Layla introduce herself and kind of describe for you um, what role she has, not only at UCI, but OC STEM. Thank you, Tracy. Yes, my name is Layla Riley, and I am the executive director of the OC STEM initiative. And I am also the director of academic innovation, comma, partnerships at UC Irvine with a joint appointment in both the School of Engineering and the School of Information and Computer Sciences. And, um, you know, those, those sound like really long um, involved titles, but essentially really what the focus of both of those positions are on is building up a coalition of public and private partnerships that focus on building and diversifying the STEM talent pipeline in Orange County. Whoa, because I was just going to say, Layla, like when you <laughs> mentioned innovation and OC STEM, it was almost, my next question was, what does that actually mean or look like? So I think you cover that in terms of partnerships and collaborations, but also what is the direction in terms of STEM focus within Orange County when it involves different collaborations? Is it just getting more and more people coordinated and collaborating together both within the academic environment or what does that look like in terms of objectives that you're trying to achieve? It looks like all of it. So, um, so of course it's, you know, because it's coalition building and we're trying to really establish what we call an ecosystem here in Orange County, um, it is really always trying to bring people together that are already invested in this type of work in some way, shape or form um, and get us to work together more efficiently and not be duplicating efforts. It's also a way to optimize resources. But then another part of it is awareness building and um, really evangelizing about the fact that STEM doesn't just start, you know, um, in in school, you know, even in the preschool, you know, kids are born natural scientists. So it's really beginning to sort of, you know, educate parents and communities on building those habits of minds early and then all the way into career development. So. Um, it's such a broad mission. We put it into different buckets, but it's really and or both. <laughs> so does that mean that any organization, because some of our listeners are here in Orange County, does it mean that any organization that has some aspect of STEM could be a part of this coalition, even if they didn't know about it until today? So it Absolutely. There is, it yeah, there is no, if your focus is in some way, either hiring STEM talent, um, you know, you're in industry and that's what your interest is, um, or, you know, in some way, some part of the education pipeline, you know, preschool all the way through, um, you know, post-secondary, um, or, you know, even just a, a researcher who's really interested in looking at, you know, um, 
a numerous number of you know number of types of questions as to how do we diversify STEM education, how do we retain you know people in STEM um, fields, whatever it might be. Everybody is really welcome to the table. But then my job is really to sort of direct planes and say, mm -hmm. well, you know, here's where kind of air traffic control, here are the people that maybe you should be talking to, or here are the ways for you to actually get um, connected in doing this work. That's great to know, because I think there are a lot of organizations that you typically don't know about either in Orange County or just Southern California or nationally, right? And it's how do you, they're all labeled STEM, each has a piece or interest or different age group or different school or different focus and who or what do they reach out to, to kind of make sure, like you said, the collaboration and coordination is going, mm -hmm. how that's going. So I think it's great that people can identify you as like one of the people in Orange County, at least to help with that process. So everybody's more coordinated and sharing and is working together because I think sometimes people don't even know there is OC STEM, like the general public, I would say, is not familiar with the fact that like there is OC STEM yet. I know, you know, having talked to a lot of parents and especially in the preschool age group where they want to involve their kids at a younger age, they don't know where to go other than the school itself to ask for those resources or ask how they can get involved or ask how they can um, really encourage STEM education. Absolutely. And part of it is also... Um, you know, if I meet, you know, someone and they ask me, well, what, what kind of work do you do? What is that? And sometimes I want to say, well, how much time do you have? <laughs> it's, it's very broad, but it is really also, um, you know, that is why OC STEM was put together. Um, it wasn't started by me. It was actually started um, through the Samueli Foundation, um, who is obviously very active in, you know, um, you know, in, in, investing in high impact, you know, programs to, um, you know, to, to build out that STEM talent pipeline. And as funders, you know, they were seeing that here are all these people that are coming and, you know, requesting funds are these people cross pollinating and working together, because that's how you, um, you know, scale and sustain after, you know, after the funding runs out. And so that is really how it sort of came to be. It's who's missing from the conversation, who's at the table, who isn't at the table. And even still, you know, I think it's about a decade now, you know, since its early inception, um, I still am amazed that I go out into the community and in particular, um, when I bump into somebody that's in K-12, where we probably are the most active, especially middle school and high school, who has never heard of us, I'm like, okay, <laughs> we really have to do a much better job, you know, at, at getting that, the word out there so that people know actually where to go and how to get connected. Which is like a public relations kind of marketing exercise, right? Which is, or just word of mouth of the fact that there are resources there and how can additional corporate foundations get involved, even if they weren't initially at the seat of the table, you know, years ago, how can they help in terms of additional funding or resources or um, are you using OC STEM also as a potential workforce pipeline or what is the focus of OC STEM? Is it program focused or research focused or? We really have uh, four, um, you know, 
foci, I guess you would call it. So um, the first one is directly building STEM skills. So we have a number of programs where we actually go into schools or after school programs or summer programs, camps, and work directly with kids to build STEM skills. Um, and then the second part would be, um, we actually do a lot of education, pre uh, professional development. I say educator rather than just teacher because it's not always K-12 teachers. It's also, um, you know, after school providers or preschool uh, providers um, that we provide professional development with. And that's really to sort of build up their repertoire of, you know, STEM skills so that they can take that into their environments. Um, and then the third part is that we, because I'm at a university, um, I am surrounded by brilliant uh, you know, young students who are on that pathway themselves to becoming, you know, STEM professionals. So we really do a lot of professional and leadership development with them so that, you know, even after they graduate, they're more informed about what it is that they're choosing as a career. So we also work on building up a lot of those soft skills, like facilitation skills, speaking skills, um, a number of things, but then also so that they'll continue to be evangelists themselves and, you know, give back to the community and help us, you know, um, you know, mentor the future generations. And then of course, the last part also, because I'm at, um, you know, a university is the research component. So we're always looking for opportunities to really um, look at what is best practice and then try to disseminate best practice and again, always coming back to how do we sustain and scale interventions that have been proven to work. So that's another focus. So I'd say those four areas. And is there any one of those four that in particular for this year that you're focused on more of? Yes, yes. This year, especially because of obviously the pandemic has really had forced us to streamline a lot of our direct services type programs. Certainly we've gone virtual in some way, but given the nature of the work that we do, which is highly hands-on and experiential, um, we have had to sort of we have become a little bit more limited in our sort of repertoire of what we do. So what I have focused on a lot more um, in the last year is really the research aspect of it. Um, there's so many things now that need to be researched, so many more questions that have been blown wide open because of the pandemic, problems that already existed that we knew were there, you know, simply having access to an internet connection isn't enough. Um, you know, the digital divide is stronger than ever, even though more people are actually, you know, online than ever. Mm -hmm. And so um, really focusing on, you know, trying to reach out to our different partners and say, hey, you know, what is it that we want to formulate as a research agenda, a focused research agenda that could actually inform policy going forward? Because, you know, everybody's in a little bit of stasis right now, um, kind of survival mode. But as soon as we move out, you know, that we're going to have to be able to deploy and activate and try to, <laughs> you know, repair the damage. And so we want to make sure that we're poised and ready to do that. So research is really a heavy focus right now. And so when it comes to research, is the main concern is the ideas or because research is really competitive, right? Because yes. not only are there a lot of research institutes that are seeking funding, but it's also the innovation and the creative idea that really resonates with um, funders or resonates with a certain topical focus that really gets enough momentum that... Yes people are seeking for. So how do you go about getting your research ideas? Is it only just UCI P, uh, PIs or is it other schools? 
Um, what's the best way for you to enhance or increase research? Well, so certainly because of where we're at in the university, um, we continually have faculty that reach out to us. And, you know, NSF, for example, you know, requires that there's a broader impacts component um, in any sort of research proposal, any grant. And so that is sort of our role is that we work with those faculty to tailor something that's very specific to their subject matter area of expertise and actually get that to the right population. Do you want to work with K-12 students? Do you want to work with teachers? Do you want to develop curriculum and content and materials? So that is sort of my role to be that translator. Um, but then in the other way, from my own perspective, um, what I am trying to focus on is that we you know, I've been doing this for a long time now, and I think I have a pretty good grasp of which of our programs are the um, most successful, have shown, you know, the best outcomes. Where I'm really invested right now is in wanting to focus more on something called collective impact. Um, you know, I want to get away from these one-off programs that are funded or um, driven by an internal champion. And when that internal champion leaves and goes to another organization, the program goes away. Um, it's really about scale and sustain. And so I'm trying to focus on grants that really, um, you know, and research that really has a way of um, showing metrics behind how this type of approach, uh, you know, bringing together a broad coalition to do this work, um, working across institutions, working across disciplines is really the best way to make and affect systems change. And so those are the types of research questions that are really motivating me right now. So again, I'm not interested in funds anymore for a specific program. I'm really interested in, you know, um, doing some kind of research that really proves that this model is the best way to um, move the needle. Which I think is really good because as I think about like corporations or companies that are seeking research to help fund their own innovation and answers, but they don't have maybe the right human capital or the right investment, how can they partner with yes. yourself or others to formulate that coalition of research, but also demonstrate the community and collective impact, which is what individuals I think are interested in today is if we're investing XYZ dollars, who is it truly benefiting more broadly to your point and not just a particular program or a specific initiative, but what is the broader impact across like demographics or um, yeah. the next generation of prof professional development or workforce training? Like what does that look like? So it, that dollar goes farther, right? Especially exactly. when resources are constrained. Right. And, and then what has already actually been done and tested uh, so often, you know, and again, you know, our faculty, for example, you know, they'll have a fantastic idea of their own, but they're not on the educational research side of it. And, you know, they have all of their own, you know, literature reviews and things like that to keep up with. So they might come up with, you know, in addition to their grant, you know, for their broader impacts component, they might come up with this great idea for some sort of summer program that they might want to try. Um, and what we try to educate them on are now is, you know, you don't have to invent the wheel on your own. Most likely there's something out there that's similar that's been done. So you can just, you know, sort of drop into something that's already going on rather than having to build it all the way from the ground up. 
And so that's one of the, you know, resources we actually try to provide. If there's program that you're interested in, likely we already have it, or we have a partner that has it. So you don't have to, your organization doesn't have to, you know, put in funding to build something like that from the ground up. You can just get invested in the way that you want to. So rather that's just your people because they want to actually do some volunteer work or whether that's um, your expertise in an advisory capacity or whether that's just access to, you know, our, you know, budding STEM professionals because you want to recruit them, you know, to come work for your company one day. Likely we already have the program. We just want to figure out how to get you, um, you know, tapped in. And I think the part that we like, obviously, as a firm, since we're in evaluation and research firm, we love collective impact, right? Defining <laughs> what that impact looks like, what yes. outcomes are trying to be achieved, and whether or not that essentially proving out the value of that return on the investment of funder dollars in terms of outcomes yes. and results and things like that. So I think it's the idea that you're looking at it more from a broader standpoint, like you said, collective or community impact, yes. or that's smart because the dollars will go farther. But also, like you said, it's not just funding based on a particular program or project where when that ends, it's not connected to another one and you want them all to be connected together. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, with the mark, that's, that, that's the difficulty because so many of us don't necessarily have our own research and evaluation team. I mean, I, my, I'm an army of three, you know, so there's me and then I have two amazing staff members. And then really we just have a rotation of undergraduate students that we employ, you know, seasonally um, that are only with us for a certain period of time. So we don't have, you know, an evaluation person that's continually, you know, collecting the data, evaluating the data, um, making sure that, you know, our research questions, you know, are sort of driving our actions and that there's, you know, that feedback loop. And so in collective impact, if we're really going to sort of measure the work that we're doing and attach, you know, um, you know, look at the outcomes, we're going to need somebody to sort of herd all those cats. <laughs> and because again, a lot of the partners that we have are small organizations, they're nonprofits. And so they just don't have that embedded. And then even though we're the university, even though we're at UCI, we have specific research subject matter experts. So I'm in the School of Engineering. I don't have an evaluation team in the School of Engineering that, that looks at the types of metrics you know, that are involved in the work that I do. So that is really why that's an integral part of this ecosystem and building that up. Um, and then also same thing, getting that message out to everyone that they sort of need to include this as they're thinking about a program or planning a program or another intervention. Have you thought about how we're actually going to measure that? And do you have what you need in place to be able to measure that? Well, and that's what I like you highlighting is the collective collective impact, but ecosystem, like you're, you're thinking about it in the right way, which is right now is a perfect time to think about ecosystems. I mean, so many different systems need retooling and read and to read to everything today, right? I think that's the pressure that all of us as individuals are under is 2020 slash 2021 is this year of just redoing everything, but in a very short period of time. And so part of that feeling of feeling overwhelmed is this accelerated need to drive for ecosystems and drive for change and yeah. pressure on resources to do that. But it's smart strategically in the sense that 
you guys have thought very clearly and intentionally about that. So I think what's really great for listeners to hear is how can get how can they can get involved in the ecosystem and yes. be aware of the fact that the ecosystem exists because that's part of the battles. People <laughs> don't even yeah, know it that's exists. Number one. <laughs> right. And then so people right. can't even get involved or know how yeah. to support it. And Absolutely. And so getting participants to get involved and engaged, I think is yeah. really valuable. And that's always my first question. Um, because like I said, it, when you first meet me, it can be so sort of overwhelming when I give you, I, I, it's hard for me to get what I do into an elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> so I've tried, I've tried, but, um, but then, you know, as soon as I sort of, especially if we're potentially meeting with a funder or a corporate partner or whatever it might be, and you get that sort of deer in headlights look as soon as you list out, you know, um, all the different programs, you know, that we're engaged with. Um, but I always say, don't worry about everything that I just told you. What is it that you're wanting to impact? Like, who is it that you want to specifically reach or connect with um, in this area? So, is it undergraduate students? Is it K twelve students? Is it K twelve teachers? Who who specifically, or other you know STEM professionals, or other people that do the programmatic work, or researchers? Um, so, I always put the question back to them, and then I can you know then pinpoint. Okay, here's the best way to sort of get you in you know your foot in the door and get you introduced to this network, um, cause meeting the whole network can be a little overwhelming, but, you know, talk directly to these people. These people are probably your people. <laughs> and well, that's it's like you said, it's like, an ecosystem and you don't yeah. want to meet the whole ecosystem yeah. at once. <laughs> you, want, you want somebody to walk you through who you need to meet yes. first yes. to drive for the results that you're trying to accomplish. And I think what they can count on you for is being that navigator, like by reaching yes. out to you, they can see, you know, how and where they need to go and how they can get engaged. And it's a starting point. And that's what people need is yes. kind of an access for action before um, they become too overwhelmed and just immobilized and not do anything. So right. I really appreciate your time, Lena, just sharing like what you're working <laughs> on and how you're tackling the world. I think that's <laughs> really important. and. Um, more importantly, I think as people become more and more familiar with collective impact and trying to understand what impact means, I mean, that alone is very hard to like define and, and get clarity around. So I really appreciate you just sharing with us today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me and giving me this opportunity because maybe this is just one more way to, you know, educate people about what we do. So it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Driving Outcomes. If you'd like to listen to or download other episodes of Driving Outcomes, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and most other major podcast networks. Please also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn as The Mark USA. We hope you'll join us again next week for more conversations with today's leaders who are driving for results and achieving phenomenal business outcomes. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. 
You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help one million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.